Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And this is the H&J Daily featuring some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Thankfully, we were back to the full three hours. All the technical gremlins uh, gone. Uh, I hope that carries on. Touch wood. Mm. And uh, Andy, what do we like today? Well, we had the legendary commentator Mike Ingham on. He's just written a book and he had some good tales for us within that. Yeah. Uh, Mike Parry, a legendary maniac, he was on as well. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's been staring at the moon. Yeah. Uh, we had a birthday special by request from a listener. So birthday, birthday spread, spread special, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, Steve Bruce's murder mystery carried on, dance on top form. Yeah. Um, Justin Morehouse, old friend of the show, he was on good form as well. And Mike Ward with his nightly roundup. That's right, yeah, looked at the best of uh, the telly. So, uh, here it all is. Enjoy. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, Paul, and good afternoon, everybody, and uh, great to be back after yesterday's truncated show. Uh, yes, yeah, so we funny point yesterday. out, shall we? Sorry, carry on, Andy, yeah. No, no, carry on, carry on. I was going to say what happened was, in case you missed yesterday, oh, we had a lot of technical issues, which are now sorted, touch wood, we're told, so fingers crossed. Uh, but we, we were an hour shorter, um, so we left at three, and, uh, but everything worked out for the rest of the day, and so we're hoping we'll see out the three hours. That's the plan, anyway. Brilliant, yes. That was, that was the first for us. And uh, when you dropped out mid-sentence, I was left like Mr. Parry explaining Alan's two different stories. I kept saying, what, <laughs> what Mr. Hawksby meant to say there was. It was like one of those. Ridiculous. Yeah. Now, I've been finding solace, Paul, in watching old Chelsea classics on BT and Sky. Both are providing them. And it's marvellous. You know that Chelsea are going to win. It's, it's a relaxing watch and it's fine. So I sat down last night to watch Chelsea versus Villa from, yeah. I can't remember exactly, 2000. 2003-4, Roman's first season under Ranieri. And I thought, oh, yeah, we'll go 1-0 up. I thought, oh, yeah, this is enjoyable. We lost 3-2. I was thinking, what's the point? It was like a real late goal. I was thinking, yeah, thanks. I really need... In what sense is that a Chelsea classic? I didn't think it was, but there we go. In the 80s, though, Andy, you were terrible. I mean, this is the, the old big matches, of course. When you watch those old big matches, you say you're taking solace. You're like in League Two and you're stinking the place out most of the time. It can't be a lot of fun watching very old football as a Chelsea fan, sort of early 80s and stuff. It wasn't I don't great, know. They showed, us, 
They showed a 78 against Liverpool, where Chelsea won 4-2 in the Cup. And I remember that. Division. Was that the Clive Walker yeah. goal, the game? I remember that. At the no, and that was another no? game where oh, he scored. Right. Yeah, that was a 2-0. But that was the game where Emlyn Hughes pretended he'd been headed by Bill Garner in the face, head-butted, but he hadn't. It was a bit of a dive, but there oh, we go. Dear. That's the way it I is. I say, not a new phenomenon the- then. No, definitely not. There's a two. There's been a 209 percent increase in downloading uh, Vera Lynn's "We'll Meet Again" yeah. after the Queen's speech on Spotify. And you think well, it's not surprising? It wouldn't be a big one before, would it? Oh yeah, let's <laughs> all have Vera Lynn's "We'll Meet Again" on Spotify. But anyway, well done. I loved uh, Dame Vera congratulating the Queen. She was saying these young people today are tremendous. Yeah. <laughs> That's very <laughs> true. Yeah. One of the other interesting <laughs> byproducts of uh, lockdown, apart from. Uh, 209% surge on Vera Lynn's will meet again is that two pandas in Hong Kong maybe uh, Rupert and Popman and see him and get him, get him going uh, if, uh, while he's at Happy Valley but yeah Ying Ying and Li Li they've not been interested in each other for nearly a decade they've not got it on despite uh, multiple playings of Marvin Gaye they have not but suddenly in lockdown where there's no visitors there wow. and it's all gone quiet yeah, suddenly a bit, a bit of Marvin seems to have kicked in, and we we maybe we may see a baby panda very soon. I don't know what the gestation fling, period fling. of a panda is. Twenty minutes, five years? I've got a clue. Oh, it's quite a long time. I think he said not knowing. Yeah, what whatsoever. do you know? What do you know about that? <laughs> Nothing. Okay, I'll look and, it up. Uh, I'll look it up what you're doing your next bit. Okay. On, Ed yeah. Sheeran has—he's uh, got a lot of land, as you'd expect, and he's gone into growing his own veg, which yeah. is really nice, actually. Except Ed is a bit like the EU; he rejects them if he doesn't like the shape of you. Get it? Oh, you oh that's nice. Look at that. <laughs> Thank you. A bit of satire. <laughs> oh, marvellous! Yeah, why not? <laughs> uh, you want to know gestation yeah, period? Anything? Apparently, pandas. Yes. 95, do tell me. Ninety-five to one hundred and sixty days. That's quite a big difference. A lot of hanging about, isn't it? Really, it just. And, uh, it's a lot of difference. Yeah. If, yeah. So anyway, that's... Uh, so Makes it quite a, hard to prepare the nursery, doesn't it, if you don't know when it's actually coming? That's right, but, yeah, uh, yeah. When in doubt, paint it yellow so you, you haven't got... You know, you can... Uh, <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Six years after hanging up the microphone after the World Cup in Brazil, uh, Mike Ingham has uh, written his autobiography after extra time and penalties. Legendary uh, commentator, of course. And we're very pleased to say he joins us now. Good afternoon, Mike. Hello, Paul. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Yeah. So, six years in the in incubation. This, what made you go for it now? <laughs> um, I thought I had a book in me. I wanted to document the um, amazing change that I witnessed, really, in, in in the two passions of my life: broadcasting and also football. I mean, changes for better and worse. Um, I also wanted to talk about and pay tribute to some of the pioneers of sports broadcasting um, because I was very fortunate to work with some of them who shone a light for the rest of us to follow. I'm thinking of people like Peter Jones and Brian Butler who I I don't think have ever really been given the acclaim that they should have been given over the years. And and then finally, I suppose, self-indulgently, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about the pathway which led me to my very fortunate career. And wonderful voices, you're right, you mentioned them there. It's Andy here, Mike. And, Hi, Andy, uh, how are you doing? Uh, 
Yeah, good, thanks. And uh, very much, uh, I'm fascinated by the fact that the Daily Star have picked up on your book and they, I think they're going to do a story a day because obviously it's full of great anecdotes. So yesterday <laughs> they had the anecdote about Dennis Law and his wife and the birthday card. You can tell us that one. And also today one about <laughs> Alex Ferguson and his favourite film being 12 Angry Men. I would have thought it was one angry man, really, but there you go. But tell us about the... Uh, the... I, saw, I saw yesterday's, I, I haven't seen today, so thank you for telling me about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was very fortunate. Well, one of the great things about the job was to be able to work with people like Dennis Law and Jimmy Armfield and, you know, some of my heroes, really, when they were summarizers. And I spent a lot of time with Dennis in the 80s, particularly when um, the England football team were, were banned from Europe and we were covering a lot of Scottish games. And he did tell me um, once, late into the night, um, <laughs> that uh, he, he, was, he was remembering the, in the days when he was having to sign autographs, you know, um, every day of the week for fans. And he was doing it so many times that when he came to write a birthday card for his wife, Di, he just put, best wishes, Dennis Law. <laughs> and, and, of course, the other thing about Dennis was that, um, to be honest, he, he didn't mind people knowing this now because it's years and years ago. Who cares, you know? But he also managed to sort, th sort things out so that if he was a booking away from suspension... Um, he would mysteriously get a, a booking, you know, um, just before Christmas, or he developed a, a niggly little hamstring injury that would put him out over the Christmas period. And this was both at Man City and Man United. And if you actually, well, he, if you haven't got much to do, if you wanted to just ch check the books, check the, check the stats, you'll find that most Christmases he wasn't playing. <laughs> Yes, brilliant. <laughs> you um you worked as a as a presenter in uh, radio and then became a commentator. And often people who are commentators they don't sort of straddle both. I mean, people do, but um, that's interesting. Was it a dream always to be a commentator, or did you kind of happen into it? No, no, it wasn't at all. I mean, I wanted to present Grandstand. That was my that was my <laughs> dream. I was a presenter in local radio, and then um, I I got sport on two job almost by default and in, in, in 1980 when everybody else was at the Moscow Olympics um, and I did that for four years and I, I never really thought I, 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 look I was incredibly lucky because I cut so many corners and it was just a proposition put to me by, by, by the people in charge at the time to say that they would quite want me to change places with Peter Jones because they felt that Pete, um, the job for the anchoring sports report and sport on two was for a, a senior man, really, who's got his stripes out there in the field. And I, I certainly haven't got them. So they wanted Peter to go back inside and he could do sport on two standing on his head. Though he wasn't very happy about going back inside. And, um, and they threw me out to be, I mean, I'd, I just wouldn't listen now to any of my early commentaries. I just, but, do you know, I'll tell you something. My first radio commentary mm. was um, Alan Brazil's Manchester United debut at home wow. to Watford. Yeah, alongside wow. Gordon Strachan, um, who was also making his debut. Did um, he have a good fact, game, Mike? Alan, sorry, I worked Did with Alan 12 years later at Euro 96, and even mm. before he became a presenter, I mean, he was, uh, he was the top summariser. Yeah, he was well, yeah, very, very good. Did he have a good game that day? Can you remember? Are you one of those people, a bit like Motti, that keeps a record of, ev of every match you ever commentated on? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Did he have a good game? Well, um, it, wasn't, it wasn't a very good game. I don't really remember much about it. I was just so grateful that the goal I got was a penalty because that, 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 you know, sort of spared, spared my blushes. I couldn't really screw that one up, you know. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, Alan, um, I think I, I did actually do a game when he was playing for Spurs, but that was for, for local radio in London. That was when I was sort of, tr you know, just, just, just helping out Michael Hart at the evening standard. But, right. um, no, he's a good lad, Alan.
Yeah, absolutely. One game you you will remember, of course, Mike, is the uh, Hand of God game. You were commentating that day, weren't you, in 1986? And uh, that was a pretty special match. No, no, I wasn't doing that. Um, that was this. Uh, oh, um, really? The, the, no, no. Oh, no. Sorry, I beg your pardon. Um, did 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 that? I was um, I was doing Scotland and soon came home. Actually, I, I'd, I'd done the three. <laughs> oh well, there you games go. <laughs> in Mexico. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. But I was. It was. It was um, Brian's legendary legendary um, commentary on on both of the goals. Actually, both the Maradona goals. Um, so, so no, I wasn't there. But I, my involvement with Maradona, though. Um, <laughs> indirectly uh, I remember being at the World Cup in 1994 in America and all the press lads in New York I was based in New York we, we'd all agreed that it was just one night in the schedule when we could go out and uh, you know let, let our hair down a bit shall I say and, and so we did and we, we had a great night absolutely fantastic um, I could just about find my way back, ho- back to the hotel which wasn't too far from where, we, where we'd mm. been um, and I got back to my room about 2 o'clock in the morning um, with the room spinning, you know, I don't mind admitting. And uh, there's a little note passed uh, under my door when I got back from one of my colleagues, Rob Hawthorne. And it just said, Diego Maradona has failed a drugs test and the Today program would like you on at 7.25. <laughs> and I thought, well, okay, uh, I've got five hours to sleep it off, you know, drink a few bottles of water and everything else. And then I realized, of course, five-hour time difference. Yeah. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> and it was the most hypocritical piece of- of broadcasting I ever did in my life because I, I think I ended it by saying something along the lines of what a dope, you know. Um, <laughs> there, I, there I was sort of needing three <laughs> bottles of uh, water to get me uh, sober. Now, one of the big moments you did do because you write about in the book as kind of a big commentary moments is David Platt scoring against Belgium at Italia 90. A huge, pivotal moment in that tournament, a very mm. dramatic moment. And it sort of struck me that in radio, you've still got to keep your descriptive power. You can't get lost in the moment. Uh, I'm not saying he did in this case, but our old friend Martin Tyler can go Aguero because the pictures are doing the job. But I suppose you just can't go, what a goal. I mean, you do have to keep your descriptive because <laughs> the, the nation wants to know what's just happened. Well, I suppose in many ways I was schooled by Peter Jones. And I don't know if you can remember his commentaries, but he oh, was yeah. a master really of, of giving you the 20 second goal clip. Uh, which very often used to close sports report on Saturday afternoons, and I'd been kind of mentored and schooled along those lines. So I, I was, you know, trying to uh, take a leaf out of his book, if you like. But I'm, I'm pleased you mentioned that um, the Platt goal because um, that's probably one of my three um, favourites, I guess, in, in terms of drama because it was my first World Cup watching England, and I was with Ray Clements, I remember, and um, we were, you know, we'd been speculating about this was going to be England's first ever penalty shootout because they were just seconds away from it. And um, we were talking about, well, who's going to take the penalties? And, uh, oh, hang on a minute, just one, one more chance here, maybe, you know, and it was a free kick, and the rest is history, you know. And, um, and I remember finishing the commentary and then going down the steps from the press box, and the first person I saw was Bobby Charlton, you know, was working for BBC TV, and I thought, mm. you know, I wonder what he thought about that. I wanted to ask you about TV, actually, because that tends to be the progression, the career progression in many cases, isn't it? People do radio commentary, they're then going to TV commentary. So I, I, I'm sure you had your offers over the years, but was it not of interest? Did you not fancy doing that? Never much? had a single offer. No, really? nobody, really? nobody ever, ever asked me to do television commentary. Um, I don't know why. Um, um, I mean, I think all of my... All of my contemporaries, all of my colleagues, can't think of any anyone else really who's done radio for the length of time I did without 
having a little go on TV. It was something I would have been I would have been interested to find out whether I could do it really because I would have done it in a slightly different way I would have I would have tried to sit back a little more and, and only speak when you need to speak because my favorite commentators on television are always the ones like you know Richie Benno and Brian Moore and sort of less is best really I think sometimes mm. television commentators speak unnecessarily so it'd have been interesting to find out I could have fallen on my face I don't know but it's one of those I'll, I'll, I'll never know now it didn't happen and but I wouldn't change I wouldn't change a second though but it's very lucky with the career I had, to, you know, to go to the games that I went to, and I wouldn't change a minute of it. And uh, finally, from me, uh, Mike, I was reading a piece with you, and I know that uh, you're quite critical of broadcasters' pursuit of younger audiences, aren't you? Mm. And uh, you know, the, the, there, there is a room for the experienced voice, isn't there? Somebody explained to me actually, a marketeer, said Andy looking to much, keep himself well, in I would work. Do. <laughs> <laughs> no, but somebody explained to me that young kids actually like hearing older people talking about sport because they can then present those opinions as their own with their mates and in pubs and things like that and don't really actually want to hear their own peers talking about them in a sort of way that isn't that knowledgeable i just think it's a delicate balancing act really you've got to find the next generation of listeners i i, I you know that that's not in denial but i just think that if you feel that the younger audience has to have younger voices all the time it's a little bit patronizing to them and all i can do I don't know how it was for you guys, but I can only relate it to when I was growing up. I was a real child of radio in the 50s. I was just mesmerized by some of the old venerable voices that I used to listen to who spoke out to me, voices of authority and experience. There was a guy I always used to remember reading the news called William Hardcastle. You know, I could have listened to him and Alistair Cook and people like that. So that was my history. And... um, and I, I, I just feel that if you're not careful, if you just go too far the other way, you're going to alienate the people you've already got, you know, who won't be happy with the changes. Finally, Mike, the, uh, the group controller here at, uh, at TalkSport, our former producer, Liam Fisher, just been in touch. He said, uh, Mike replied to a letter I sent him when I was trying to get into sports journalism when I was about 13. And he was incredibly <laughs> helpful. Obviously, I wouldn't have read that if he said he never replied. But, uh, <laughs> but there we are. You, you gave a leg up to, uh, to a rival broadcaster, so, which, which was very well, well done. <laughs> that, that, that means everything. I mean, that, 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 you know, that really is. I mean, thank you, thank you so much for telling me that. And can I, before I leave you, I just wanted to also say, um, it was sort of thanking each I mean, I just wanted to say that when I was commentating in midweek, in the north, almost every week, really. I would, I would time my journeys to listen to you guys, and uh, you take care of a substantial part of my journey up the M6. So thank you very much for that. It means a lot for me to be on the program. Well, that's lovely for oh, you brilliant. to say. That, mate. And you, we, mate. we did enjoy the book. So you gave us a flavour of a few of the anecdotes, and there's some great stuff in there. So we wish you well, and thank you very much for joining us today. All the best. That's a pleasure. Stay well, both. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Mr. Mike Parry. Uh, joins us now. Um, in lockdown, we are keeping an eye on him. Good afternoon, Mike. Good afternoon, fellas. And before we go any further, can I add my best wishes, please, to Jimmy Greaves? Um, I'm of an age where I was lucky enough to see him play. I remember just once at Goodison Park, one of the first games my dad ever took me to, Everton versus Tottenham Hotspur. He scored against us. So a very vivid memory from a long time ago. Absolutely, yeah, we're right yeah, here thanks, to Mike. that, Mike. So, um, we, we were a bit concerned about you because last night was yeah. a super moon. And yes. uh, you've been telling us last week that you've been, you've been studying yeah. the moon in lockdown. Yeah. And this was, like, this was like the moon's FA Cup final. So, what happened? Well, um, it was a bit of an anticlimax in the end. <laughs> at nine o'clock last night, I looked out of my window and the moon 
was like a balloon, and that's a rip-off, isn't it, of David Niven's David Nivens, um, yeah. autobiography, <laughs> The Moon's a Balloon. But, 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 but it, it, uh, I don't mind ripping stuff off if it's better than my stuff. Don't worry about that, fellas. Um, but actually, it was it was shining up in the sky there, like the headlight on my Mercedes car, you know what I mean? Yeah, I thought, yeah. this is wonderful. Now, I then was going to get up at uh, 3.25 a.m., uh, because that's when it was at its brightest. And the reason is, fellas, is because the moon doesn't go round the Earth in a circle. It goes in an ellipse, if you see what I mean. Yeah. And, and, and last night, it was 27,000 miles closer to the Earth than it normally is, mm-hmm. which is a total of sort of 14% of the total distance between here and the moon. So that's why A was so close, B was so bright. And... It was called the pink moon because it's at its biggest uh, this time of the year in spring. But it's not pink. Um, As I think I told you when we discussed this earlier, Native Americans worshipped the moon. Uh, It was part of their whole life, and and, and they they were one of the first civilizations to understand how it controlled things on Earth. And that moon always came out when certain tribes who lived in certain parts of America used to pray also for the flowers which came out, which were always pink. So the moon coincided with the pink flowers, you know, geraniums and uh, not daffodils because they're yellow, but, you know, geraniums and uh, what other flowers are pink, roses, all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? I'm wondering, Mike, though, Mike, Mike, you study the moon, you're into the moon. Maybe you are, maybe you have Native American, maybe you're part Comanche and you didn't didn't realise the no, I'm not, but I, I okay. have to say, I got, I got very interested in Native American culture when I uh, lived there. In fact, right. I'm, sure, I'm sure I've told you this story before. I once had to go and interview an Apache uh, hmm. in a high-security prison. He'd oh. been jailed for killing a couple of FBI guys on the reservation um, oh. when the FBI guys were trying to sort of investigate whether there was any sort of illegality going on. Hmm. And... Um, And he was accused and convicted of shooting these two FBI guys. But the Russians at the time were very propagandist and put it around the world that this poor guy, this Apache, was in fact a political prisoner, America's own political prisoner, because they were keeping that uh, that great author as a, you know, uh, in in internal exile. I can't remember his name now. Solzhenitsyn? uh, Solzhenitsyn, that's the guy. Well done. Yeah, you've got it. So I had to go into uh, this jail and interview this guy, and he's so dangerous, the police said, it's at your own risk. You know that, don't you, the prison guards? I said, yeah, that's fine. And then they, I went into this room, this guy's sitting at the table, then I heard the lock close behind me, and wow. I thought, oh, they've locked the door, even though there's a couple of officers in here with me. And I turned around, and there were no officers in the room with me. There was just me and this crazy Apache guy who had um, murdered was uh, had a sentence for life. And the problem is that when somebody's in prison and they've got a life sentence, yeah. they've got nothing to lose by rubbing somebody else out. And if I'd have said the wrong thing, I thought wow. I was never going to get out of that jail alive. Well, that would be, well, yeah, that's, that, you should bring that one up on the old journalist training course. You've got to talk yourself out of the cell. That's very, anyway, Andy's got a question for you, Mike. Well, you've had sure. a few, clo- well, two things really, Mike. Number one, yeah. I'm surprised to hear that you've got a Mercedes. I thought you had a Jaguar. You're a very proud uh, no, I had, Jaguar I had Jaguars owner. for, I had four Jaguars, Andy, and then uh, I decided to have a look at uh, what Mercedes had to offer, and I've now got a beautiful Mercedes, but please beautiful. go on. Yeah. You have had a, it strikes me, you have had a f- few close shaves in your career, really. Yeah. Like, like the one you just described. And uh, it, uh, yeah. it's. Uh... Well, yes, I have. But listen, I tell you what, I can be very positive about close shaves, right? Because mm. of the virus. And although 
it's great to come on your show and try and lighten and brighten things. We are in very serious times. Mm. When I was in hospital with, um, you know, acute heart failure, and it, it, I, I make a, a joke of it, so does everybody else these days, but I was desperately ill. Yeah. You know, I had to be yeah, flown back from, from Portugal and, and, you know, my life expectancy was given to me and my heart was down to 17% and all that. And then I realised I'm going to survive, but it's going to be a long time in hospital. What I think you have to do, and I'm saying this now to people who are self-isolating, you know, because mm. it's grim, try and focus in your mind on something that you really love, i.e. the Sunday lunch with your family or meeting somebody you haven't been able to see, like your mother or your father, because of self-isolation. Put that focus in your mind about... One of these days, that will happen again. I'm going to get there. We're going to get to this. That's going to be a joyous day. And when I was in hospital, the only thing I thought about, right, to make it absolutely relevant, was getting back into my favourite wine bar with Alan Brazil and cracking a bottle of Pinot Grigio and listening to that (laughs) beautiful wine tumbling into the glass, Okay, I wasn't able to drink for seven months, right, due to my heart failure. The first time I did, I shouldn't have done. The doctors told me I shouldn't have drunk at all but i'm telling you that kept me going i was in bed in a in a one-person ward strapped up with wires and all that and 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 it was a miserable existence but the one thing that kept me going was looking forward to the thing i most enjoy doing in life and i would advise everybody to try and do that to try and look to something to aim at that's going to bring them joy now mike um, talking about the whole there you you, i think you want to bring you want to enlighten us on the russian vodka problem i didn't know they even had one mike what's going on (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Listen, the thing is, when you're in self-isolation, right, mm. you, you know, you've got more time to do research with the journals and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I'm fascinated by Russia. I first went to Russia when the um, Berlin Wall was still about, when the Iron Curtain was still across America. I, I, I got in there because we built a, um, a bureau, the Daily Express in Russia, and Peter Hitchens, in fact, was our correspondent, right? Wow. And I went over and saw Peter. And, I mean, it was it was almost like a film. It was laughable. KGB officers following around all over the place, you know. So the only real joy in Russia in those days was to get absolutely bladderated on uh, vodka, some of mm. it which was homemade. Lots of people died and all that kind of stuff. Wow. But um, what's happened to it is, because of global warming, mm. um, not as many people are now drinking vodka in Russia. Um, they... they the other benefit of vodka is that it, it wards off the cold and it gets very, very cold. It's sometimes minus 20 in Moscow in sort of mm. December and January, and it's not now. So anyway, old Vladimir Putin, I'm not all that keen on him. I'm very keen on the Russian culture and the way of life and the architecture. But he's now decided that Russia's got to become a fit country, like him, riding around on horseback, bare-chested and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> so he's put draconian... Uh, penalties in place if too many people get bladderated on Russia. I mean, they used to have lorries that would just drive around Moscow at night and St. Petersburg and just pick drunks up off the floor because they're all so out of the wow. mind on uh, on cheap vodka. Well, my research, and this comes from the World Health Organization, hmm. um, says that consumption uh, of vodka in Russia um, by citizens has dropped 43% in oh. the decade since 2007. That is a massive drop-off. 
It is, yeah. If you're in the vodka business, I mean, Andy got yeah. quite, Andy got quite chippy in uh, when we were in Russia on vodka. <laughs> we're in Sochi, going to start a fight back with a bloke who's almost twice the size of him. But uh, yeah. he got gets a bit. Well, Mike, look, we've run out of time, but it's lovely to talk to you. We will check in with you next week. Um, okay, guys. There'll be other topics, yeah. I'm sure, that will come up. So yeah. uh, stay safe, and we'll catch up with you soon. We will indeed, fellas. And once again, great to spend time with you. Thank you very much. And to everybody else, stay safe. Thank you. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. And he's very kindly... uh, put together a birthday spread. Ten names um, have had birthdays recently. Not today, but recently. And uh, I'm going to go head-to-head with a listener um, this afternoon and see if I can um, beat them or they can beat me. We've basically just got to guess the birthdays. You can play along at home. Normally, you can get a flavour for how old someone is. If they're the Emeritus Professional, you can't, and they're probably not 22, obviously, they're going to be of a certain age. So, you, you know, it, it's, it's doable. And some people you'll know, quite possibly. I don't know. But, um, Andy, you've got ten very strong laughs for us, I understand. Uh, I haven't, and uh, (laughs) you'll see why I only do one now. But uh, I think the thing is, normally I give you a spread and you play against the actual spread. But when we play against the listeners, basically it's I'll count how much you're out, how much he's out, and we'll add it up at the end and whoever's, we'll do it like that. Perfect. Nigel, the City fan, joins us. He's, He's taking me on. Nigel, good afternoon. Good afternoon, boys. How are you? Yeah, we're not too Good, bad. Thanks, Lo- Nigel. Lovely yeah. to talk to you, Nigel. I mean, you've, you've heard this before, I take it, over the years. You know, we know what we're up against. 
Yeah, yeah, many, many years. Do you remember when I won the, the TV 14 years ago, 2006 World Cup? Oh, well, I'll never oh, forget yeah, it. Of course, it's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is it still working, Nigel? It was, I think it was a cathode yeah, it, ray. It wasn't. A, it wasn't a flat screen, was it? No, well, uh, it, it still re- it receives channels from the various countries on dubious channels at any time after 11 o'clock at night. Oh, beautiful. Well, that's, that's very much all we want at the moment to get us through these. T- anyway, we'll move on. And uh, so it's pretty straightforward. Andy's going to give us a birthday. As Andy said, how many years out will both be? And the one who's nearest uh, with the lowest total at the end will be the winner. Hopefully the producer is going to do some maths because mine's pretty terrible and Andy will as well. Between us, we'll have some kind of competition just for fun. Andy, give us the first birthday birthday then okay uh, you should take these alternately as well i think otherwise the, the listener might be to guided Nigel might be guided by yes so okay. you go first on this one right, and then. it's a very happy birthday it is his birthday today it's the former england cricket captain and friend of the show alex stewart okay yeah. and uh, i should say i overheard stewie on a zoom call actually to phil tufnoy isolating cat <laughs> that's very good that's very Topical. good Stewie, I'd say he's very youthful looking. What has he got to be? Was he 56? 56, I'll go, Stewie. What do you think, Nigel? Um, I'll go 55. 55, Andy. Ooh. What is it? He's 57. So 57. Uh, you're, so you're I'm one, one out. out. Nigel's two out. Okay, Nigel's two nice, out. Easy so one to do. Good. Okay, yeah, we're at the good. moment. Nigel's going to go first next time. What's the next birthday, Andy? Uh, the next birthday is Thelma. I'm so rusty at doing this, I can't even find it now. Thelma Walker. Where is she, though? What have I done with her? Thelma Walker. I don't even know what she does. Where Stop saying Thelma oh, Walker. Labour MP, not Lamer MP. Lamer MP. MP. That's a bit harsh. <laughs> Yeah, Labour MP yeah. Thelma Walker, and I should know her, of course, because she's just made a film with the ex-Chelsea and now Arsenal centre half. It's called uh, Thelma and Louise. Oh, that's very good. Yeah, nice. How old's Thelma Walker? Well, as long as she's not related to Kyle and uh, yeah. you're only film for them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I would say mm. thirty-nine. 39, Thelma. Okay. 39? Thelma sounds like an older name, so I'd go 74. Um, what is it, Andy? <laughs> She's 63. So okay. you're nine out. And um, how much was Nigel out? And you said, what did you say, 39? And she's well, 74. Need, you're 35. I'm going to need Lucas at this rate. <laughs> you are. What did you make, Andy? 34, did you say? 24, said, I made it. 24 out. It's right? 34. It's 34 oh. out. So, okay. So, that's yeah, 36 running total. <laughs> Mine's 10. So, that means Nigel is 26 behind at the moment. But these are early <laughs> stages, Andy. Keep going. Keep broadcasting. <laughs> you, ne- you, never know, you never know that I failed my maths GCE three yeah. times. And you wanted fantastic. to be an accountant. What about that? <laughs> yeah. Keep going, Andy. What's next? Okay. It's a very happy birthday to the classical pianist, Margaret Fingerhut. Margaret Fingerhut. I actually know her. I know her Italian cousin, Margaret Pizza Hut. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, for goodness sake. That's a toughie. A concert pianist, is she? Yeah. Margaret. Again, it's got a name that kind of. You can have young Margarets, can't you? You can have young Maggies. I'll go mm, 73. What do you think, Nigel? I've known a few old Maggies in my time. I'll go. uh, Sixty-four. <laughs> Sixty-four. Says, Ooh, is it, Nigel, you're back in it. She's 65. Okay, so that oh, puts no. him on 37. I, so I was nine out, wasn't I? So I'm on 19. Uh, there might look, yeah. It might be a bit chunky, the maths, but we're close enough. 
19 <laughs> plates 37. Um, and if I've got it wrong, the producer put me right at the end because uh, he, he did maths more recently than me. Uh, so 19.37. What's the next one, Andy? It's a very happy birthday to the Hollywood award-winning costume designer, Sandy Powell. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, actually, she had a bad line uh, calling her mum the other day. She, I could have heard her down the road. Can you hear me, mother? She was saying yes, right, quite yeah. loudly. Look him up. Ask your great-granddad kids <laughs> yeah. this afternoon. Nigel, I did that one for Martin Kellner. What about Sandy Powell? Any idea, the costume designer? Well, I'm just fiddling with me woggle there. Uh, okay. <laughs> Don't look it up. <laughs> 59. No, 59, okay. Ah, he's cheating. He's cheating. Is he cheating? <laughs> I think no, he no, is. No, you're cheating. You're cheating yourself, <laughs> Nigel. You're a City fan. You don't want a, you don't want a year's ban. You don't want to have to go to Cass, do you, later <laughs> on today? Don't look don't them up. Don't let the side down. 50, okay, 59. I would have said, I've seen that you got an Oscar recently. I would have said she was about 55, so I'm not going to change my opinion. How old is she? She's 60. Okay, so that means uh, 38. I was five out, plays... 24 there's a bit of a stewards going on but anyway. I think there is actually but it's been completely and I've just had a statement from Manchester City <laughs> they've completely denied any wrongdoing from Nigel so as far as we're concerned we believe him at the moment okay 38 plays 24 keep going Andy and uh, very happy birthday to the director of Shakespeare in Love John Madden oh yeah really yes I, yes, I love playing EA Sports best selling game John Madden film directing yeah it's very good, Jay. Yeah. It's marvellous. Yeah. All right, then. Um, John, that one, Shakespeare in Love, um, 60. 6-0, blind 60. What are you going, Nigel? I'm going 5-8, 58. 5-8, What is it, Andy? He's 71. Okay, so I was 11 oh. out, um, and you were 13 out. So that puts you, what, on 51 and me on 35. Okay, here we go, Andy. We better rock and roll. I think we can... We uh, may, may have to cut <laughs> short and go, go for about eight, but that'll be... We'll see what happens. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> it's a happy birthday to the film actor Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe, yeah, Nigel. That's getting yes. up all about you looking at the paper. What do you think, uh, he uh, once I'll, I'll navigated... Go. Oh, hello. Oh, sorry, he's so desperate joking. to get the gag out. All right, then let him do the <laughs> well, joke first. I'll spend let him do the, the time joke, doing nice. it. Come on, it'll be, it's honestly, worth it. It will be worth it. We're hanging on your every word, Andy. Russell Crowe. <laughs> he once navigated the Thames in a boat made from offal. Yes, a crow crossed the river with a lump of raw liver. Actually, I should have been in a lump of raw liver. I got that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know the reference. I've never heard that before. It's a tongue twister, famous tongue twister. Crow crossed the you river say, with a lump of raw liver. You say famous... Have you ever heard it before, Nigel? The uh, crow crossed the river with a hunk of raw liver? No, no, no. No, no. never heard it myself. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, well. You can't win them all. What do you think, Nigel? Our old Russell Crowe. I'll go for a bullseye, 50. 5 0, blind 50. I'll go a bit older, 54, Andy. What do you think? He's 56. So 56, you're two out. so I'm oh. 37. And uh, Nigel is. Uh, what was he? What was Nigel out, did he say there? He was... Um, six out. He was six, six out. out. So he's... Uh, he's he was 50. 50. He's, he's 57. Okay, fair enough. Okay, so last 20, one. We'll only 20 do eight. Yeah. We'd go for a, quite a one with a difficult one, Andy. Your last one. Make it quite difficult. Because so, that means Nigel can get back into it if I'm hopelessly wrong. Okay. Uh, well, it's not that difficult, but it's okay. only one I really like. It's uh, MC Hammer. 
Oh, yeah. The, yes, and he's re-releasing his most famous song to warn of the chances of picking up the virus on a surface. Yes, you can't touch this. Yeah, he should do. What a great idea Topical, for MC, MC yeah. Hammer to get involved. Okay, um, <laughs> I think it's your go, isn't it, Nigel? For M- uh, is it that was me? You MC were, Hammer, uh, yeah, you yeah. work on the council. Uh, he does. Uh, <laughs> 48 MC Hammer. I've got a feeling he might, he looks, he maybe he's a bit older than you think. I'd say he's probably about 58. What is he, Andy, MC Hammer? Uh, spot on, Paul. He's 58. Oh, really? What well, about you're cheating you, Paul. That left me on 37, and uh, <laughs> that left you on 67. We never got to the end, Nigel. I think we'll call that a draw. Um, if you do, if you want to go to Cass, I'll completely understand. Uh, I'll give him a bell and ask him to talk to you later on. So, Nigel, it's, uh, we'll leave it there. It was just a bit of fun. It was lovely to talk to you again, and uh, you stay safe. And thanks for playing the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talksport. Let's bring you Striker. This is uh, the brilliant Ian Danter uh, in the style of Steve Bruce, because Steve uh, wrote this book. He wrote the book. It's called Striker. Uh, it tells the story of the Leddesford Town Manager Steve Barnes. Uh, who has been implicated in a murder which he claims he had nothing to do with. But uh, the evidence uh, is really to the contrary. We'll give you a flavour of where we are so far before we bring you the latest instalment. Has Pat Duffy gone out? I asked the girl on reception. He wasn't there. I went down to the locker room. Young Pat Duffy was stretched out on the floor in a pool of blood. I went over and pulled the knife from his back. That's how it was when Carberry came in. I phoned the fuzz, he said. What's this all about, Eddie? I asked. Will you tell me, Steve, he said. You're the man in charge. It was earlier this year in September that I finally and reluctantly hung up my boots. I understand how Eddie must have felt. Well, there we are. Great to hear the term fuzz. And if you do find a, a, you know, a, a body with a knife in the back, probably best not pull it out the back. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but that, that would be my advice to Steve and indeed the listeners. But um, anyway, uh, let's uh, let's bring you up to speed then. This is what's going on uh, this afternoon in Steve Bruce's self-pen striker. I understand how Eddie must have felt. There's a, a thrill, a buzz in turning out every week and putting into practice the routines learned and repeated on the training ground. Eddie was a bit of a nomad, even as coach. He started out with Carwell in the third division, moved back to Bridesford, where he had connections, did a spell with Donningford, again in the lowest division, and then moved to Leathersford. Not heard of any of those. When he joined, two years ago, the team was languishing near the bottom of the first. They were going nowhere, except, perhaps, into the second division. I was brought in a couple of months ago to stop the rot. For me, that meant a whole new coaching staff. I was determined to employ my own people. There was no place in my scheme for a man like Eddie Carberry, whose ideas of training meant two circuits of the cinder track, a bit of wall passing, a lot of shouting, and then everyone down to the pub for a liquid lunch. That isn't what the modern game is all about. I gave the guy his chance, I talked to him both formally and informally, and it soon became clear that he was not the clued up man I was looking for as my first assistant. Julie brought in my tea and a plate of sweet biscuits. The pack is outside, she said. She meant the press. Being like hounds, I asked, raising the ghost of a smile. Ready to bite, she said. Tell them I'll talk later. What about Harry? 
Harry Pickles, works for the Lettersford Inquirer, the local paper. A man who's done me lots of favours since I arrived, always writes a positive report, has found space to praise my efforts with the team. Take him on one side, tell him I'll speak to him first. Harry Pickles is a greaser, Eddie Carberry said. Harry Pickles is essential to our local support, I replied. He's not only loyal to the club, he's been loyal this part of 20 years. He's a true supporter. Would be even if he weren't writing for the local newspaper. He's never had a good word for me, Carberry grumbled. There are some things you do not answer, so I said nothing. Of course, I wasn't a glamour boy with Mulcasty United, was I? I looked up at Eddie's face, twisted with envy. There we are. Well, some yeah. great old club names there um, from the past, name? such as Carwell, Leathersford and Mulcaster United, of course. I remember when Steve went back to Bridesford. Yeah, Bridesford revisited. And, uh, <laughs> that Harry, was the big feature, Harry, wasn't it? <laughs> Harry Pickles. Harry? Pickles, <laughs> yeah, Harry Peck- Son of Pickles Wilfred. from the he, Harry Pickles from the uh, Lettersford Gazette, uh, that, that long lamented, uh, late lamented paper. Um, also, a cup of tea and some sweet biscuits. You're not going to bring in some savoury biscuits, so nice cup of tea and some Ritz crackers. Uh, so yeah, and that was it. The packs outside. I meant the. Pr- that was a nice touch. It was a bit. Uh, that was cl- that was classy. I. Uh, I heard from Bob from our break last night. He was really enjoying the Steve Bruce. He loves uh, Steve's yeah. ad libs. It's good, yeah. No, that's right. He's, he's starting to riff a bit, is Steve, on his own book. I suppose it's, yeah, it's like, say, the director's cut. You're getting that opportunity now. To, we'll see. Steve revisits it all these years on. So I wonder if he's listening in. He's, I wonder if he's having a chance to listen back, thinking, I should have written more books. I mean, in lockdown, he wrote Striker, Defender. Uh, and uh, sweeper, maybe he could. Maybe he could go. If he's back not listening do... now, he's never going to listen. He's never going to listen. Come on, Steve. We want midfielder. Will you do midfielder for us? Uh, we'd like another one so we can uh, serialise that. We have got a couple of minutes. If there's anything you've noticed along the way, uh, yes, I did notice this. That uh, well, two things really. Daniel Levy, honestly, he is he is classic, isn't he? I read this this morning. Daniel Levy is considering using some of the ground staff who've not been furloughed to work at his private estate. It's very big of him, isn't it? It's like Cluffy getting the youth team to come and do his garden. Fantastic. I don't believe that. I don't, I don't believe that's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous story. I cannot believe he'd say, right, Brian, you two, come here. Uh, what you like with a lawnmower? There's no way. There's no way that's, that's still going on. And, and it is, I mean, Dr. Hillary's uh, column has been so valuable in the sun, and jo- not joking, I'm sorry, joking apart. Yeah. And, uh, but there have been three questions now. There are t- two that have been sort of, you know, mad. Most of them are fantastic and really mm. valuable. But this one today, can you catch the virus from hanging your washing out on the line? Of course you can't. Not unless somebody who's had the virus just took their washing down. I mean, that's possible if you're living in a shared flat, someone's touched the line. I mean, I'm no Dr. Hillary, but I suppose that's the only only way it could happen. He says, 
He says, no, you should be absolutely safe doing this. So fine. The fresh air kills the virus, he says quickly, which is a good thing. But uh, keep is. those coming because they are good. And uh, did you see the English game that everybody is, uh, well, I don't know, say everybody, but uh, Trevor Brooking, well, say everybody. Oh, I say everybody, uh, the, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. Uh, mm. People are really enjoying, I think. Mm. I don't know, have you seen the final one? Have you seen the final? Still haven't watched them, no, no. Oh, I've been peaky tre- blinded up. I'm game. just trying to fit everything oh, in. I've got to get through to the end the of the series. One yeah. of the best games I've seen for a long time. But <laughs> It's uh, it's apparently unfair to the old Etonians. It's yeah, that they weren't quite as bad as they. We're hoping to get the uh, the historian on that's come up with this stuff. I think you might have told do... us this the other day. Did you not tell us it, or did you tell me no, off? I, I can't remember I think, what you've said on there or off there. It's all the same, isn't it? I can't <laughs> tell the difference. <laughs> we're going to put yeah, we're going to well, put listen. people right on the old Etonians. They've got a bad press for so many years, football wise. There's still appalling songs sung about them at games every week, <laughs> and this has got to stop. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. From Talk Sport. Manchester United fan, comedian Justin Morehouse. Hi, Justin. Hi, I felt like it needed one more there, didn't it? Like bombing. What a third. Well, I was yeah. gonna say I was gonna say cricket fan, <laughs> but I was keeping my powder dry because yeah. I didn't realise until I saw a picture of you yesterday on social media with a wall of wisdoms behind you. And we were chatting to Lawrence Booth, the editor of Wisdom, the new issue's out yeah. tomorrow, and he's seen it. You probably, probably you know, he kind of reached out to you on social media. He saw that you're a big wisdom fan. I didn't know you were a big cricket fan, Justin. Yeah, well, I've, I'm a developing cricket fan, so. Um... But as I say, over the last 10 years, I mean, I always liked cricket, always had a passing interest. But over the last 10 years, I think as I've got a bit older, <laughs> my life slowed down a little bit. I've appreciated <laughs> cricket more. Mm. Um, and I've really enjoyed the T20 stuff. That's what got me into it. I'm watching the IPL and got me right back into it. So, yeah, so I, I, I became a member at Langs. I've done quite a bit of work down there. And uh, I just love it. I love it. I, you know, I love the sort of different aspect I look forward to summer I don't get upset when the football season ends anymore uh, well, I was just going to ask you Justin uh, how many you've got uh, in that collection and he wants 20, to have a so wisdom th- off with you he's looking at his bookshelf now which is a bright or like a wall of ye- the yellow wall it's like Borussia Dortmund beside right, so him why yeah. I, I started this about two or three years ago and it started by, mm. because I did the Christmas lunch at um, Lanks for some of their oldest members so every year at Lancashire, they do a little to so their Red Rose members and people have been supporting the club forever. And the players handed me a signed wisdom for that season. Right. Uh, so some of the players, and, and, and you know that, you've met cricketers. They're really nice people, aren't they, cricketers? Yes. They're kind of approachable and they, 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 you know, they're top-class sports people, but they're, they're not untouchable like footballers are. So I got my first one. Um, uh, I think it was 2015, signed by the team. And I thought, looks a bit lonely on the shelf so I thought right well I'll go back and I bought I bought two or three more and then I just started buying them in charity shops finding them on eBay and I've got little rules so my little rules are I'll never pay I'll never I'll never pay more than a tenner if I right. can avoid it and I never buy batch lots because you can buy you can just buy them all in one go but, yeah. and so what I did was I, I found so I, I stopped at 2012 and I went back and I found the oldest one I found which is my first one is in 1946. Ooh, wow. So the first one after the war. And then I've just gone in order. So I've got them all from 1946 to... Uh, wow. Day. That's fantastic. Oh, you beat me. Oh, yeah, that's you've, impressive. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's Ooh, a win. Really impressive. 
Talk, talking of eBay, Justin, I've just uh, seen that there's an e- Justin Morehouse eBay page and some of the things on there you'd expect, you know, tour DVDs, but also yeah. people are selling, I don't know if it's you, but people are selling flyers to the 2018-2019 tour, mint condition. I know. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I mean, it surprises me. I mean, occasionally I'll see things on, like, for sale, like some, some scammer will buy front row seats for a tour. And then it's very often I'll do a tour and no one ever sits in the front row. He's going to pay over the top for that. But you get these, sometimes you get these uh, requests for photographs, uh, for autographs, and they'll say, you'll say, you two, and they go, no, no, just right there on the white. <laughs> uh, I mean, if, but you know what? I don't care. I mean, if someone wants to stand outside and wait for me to send a bit of paper and they can get £2.50 for it, then fair enough, let them. Now, I could have said uh, comedian Manchester United fan, dog walker, because that's how you describe yourself on Twitter. I'm, I'm, a, fellow, I'm a fellow dog owner. Have you, what have you, what's the experience been like for you? Uh, are you? Are you still managing to get out locally and get the dog off the lead? Because they're, they're, yeah. they, they kind of need yeah, a bit of quite, that, don't they? I'm quite good. I don't live too far from the Mersey. Um, right. At its source in Stockport. Not a lot of people know that. Mm. Uh, good trivia question, that. Close it, to is, it is a good one. Yeah. It's uh, mm. uh, Edgley Park. Um, but the, yeah, well, the dog, now, I'm just saying that, she's lying down, yeah. and somebody said to me the other day, the difference between cats and dogs is this, every cat in Britain is looking at its owners going, when are you going to go back to work? <laughs> and every dog's going, I'm loving you being at home. Yeah. She was, she was 10 the other day, and she's absolutely shattered. <laughs> so my whole day revolves around, what time can I go for my dog walk? Mm. Uh, and I like to go mid-afternoon, but it's a lovely day today, so I went early before it got too hot for her. Um, but yeah, I'm still doing that. Um, but I'm, I don't know, guys. I'm try to like, I've tried to reset a little bit and try and refocus and, and do things. I've done one bit of work, which actually is quite interesting. Do you want me to mention it? Can I mention it? Yeah, of course it? you can, yeah. Of course. I've done yeah. one bit of work whilst this lockdown's been going. I've had to finish off a, uh, a voiceover hmm. on a film that's coming out on a, on a well-known streaming platform. Right. And it's uh, it's the story of uh, of, of David Hay, uh, what he did after he finished boxing. Oh right! And another pastime that he took up and did quite well at it. So I don't want to okay. give anything away because I'm not I don't know I'm just checking the contract now. Man, I'm right. It's a really good story. It's one of those sports documentaries type thing where you know you'll enjoy it. It'll, it's a, it's a cracker. I think you'll really like it. Yeah, he, he, he comes across very well. He's um, like a lot of these top class sports people. I think once they finish, it's the challenge what they do next, isn't it? Mm. And when they find something, they throw themselves into it. When they do well at something after they've done sport, I really like those stories. I really like the guys who succeed at something. He may still be in sport, but when they succeed at something after they've done it, I always I tip my hat to them. Definitely. Now, uh, another thing about it, talking of voicing stuff, uh, Tiny Tim 2, uh, presented by yourself, as heard on Key 103, and you get six nectar points if you buy it on eBay today, so you can't <laughs> complain at that. <laughs> now, that's a blast. What, what, what was it? Uh, it was, um, it, gosh, it was so long ago. We, there's a kid uh, called Tim, and he, he, he's an adult, but he sounds like a kid. So we got him to ring up when we had a radio show. Uh, mm. Remember those days when people used to have radio shows? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> Back yeah, in yeah, the dark yeah. ages, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when people went to studios and that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, he just, he just, did, he was wind-ups. It was that kind of thing. It was a crazy wind-up thing. And uh, it was right at the tail end of when people would actually buy physical media. 
Mm. So uh, they sold quite a few of them. Yeah, actual CDs. Tell your grandkids about them. Yeah, but they weren't weren't just for scaring crows away from an allotment. They were (laughs) people used to play stuff. But I've got to be honest with you. Mm. I mean, we know we're plumbing the depths when Andy's searching eBay for things, some artifacts for me. I'm really, I'm really missing sport. Really I was going to ask you that because you you took a whole yeah. year off of of watching of watching football, no, didn't you? Which yeah, I've done my bit. Mm. Mm, yeah, self isolated from football once. Yeah, but I think I saw Jamie Carragher uh, talking the other day, and I know. Listen, the world is more serious than sport and our enjoyment and our pastimes, but it is something that keeps us going, doesn't it? It's good sure. for your mental health. Of course, it's good for you know the way we communicate and everything else. I'm missing like. You keep showing old matches on a. T- I'm not interested in watching old matches. Right. But we spend our lives complaining about repeats. I, I really, you know, would like to get back in and watch some sport. Like, playing a bit of sport at home with my daughter. We've played table tennis. Um, mm. I, I, w- I will say that I've let her win, but I haven't. She's overtaken me. <laughs> so outside badminton and everything's getting very competitive. Yeah. I'm looking forward to when we get back to it. Well, you know, I'm sure you are because it's your whole life, isn't it? Yes. Uh, can, can you film what you're doing, Justin? Because we're desperate. <laughs> and then we can sell it on eBay. <laughs> can we have a bet on it? <laughs> exactly. Oh, so who are you in lockdown with then currently? Uh, who, what's, that, what's the domestic setup, Justin? So we're at home. Uh, mm. Me and the other half and my 15-year-old daughter. My son is at his mum's, so he locked down there. And then uh, we've also got, uh, because of a combination of house moves, and it's like when we got trapped in the day, We've got uh, we've got our eighteen-year-old uh, nephew with us as well, so he he lives he, he's off work. He, I mean, I feel so sorry for this kid. Yeah. He's eighteen. He's he's out meeting girls, going to the pub. He's got his first job. He's got a few quick. <laughs> stuck in with this miserable old goat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going look at me wisdoms. I'm reading my wisdoms, Luke. Enjoy them. Oh, so I feel sorry for him. My daughter is obviously on on uh, Easter holidays at the minute. Well, yeah. She's been doing a full school day, and she's quite good at it. She's quite a swat. Mm. Um, but really, I mean, that's it. I mean, I'm, I'm playing a lot of online poker, I'll be honest with you. Right, okay. Com- comedian's game going on. Please gamble uh, responsibly. I do gamble. Well, I don't gamble responsibly. I play <laughs> poker irresponsibly, but it's only for about a fiver. So <laughs> oh, good, like, okay. That's yeah, it's not, I mean, I'm not, this is not a confession, lads. No need to intervene from your separate houses. Oh dear! But that's going on. So how are you coping? Oh, we're okay. We're still obviously we're both broadcasting from our living rooms at the moment. We're doing doing that for a week and a bit, but we're vulnerable, isn't he? You know, Andy's vulnerable at his age. Well, that's what we worry. We do. We do. It's fantastic. He had his shopping delivered this morning. It's fantastic. So uh, he's he's on the list. I but, mean, I'll uh, be honest it, with you. When when this lockdown happened, I thought of all the people in the world that won't mind a bit of self isolation. It's Andy. Yeah, <laughs> you'll like the break, won't you, mate? You'll enjoy the break. Yeah, I uh, do. You know, you know, I I don't really like people, so self isolating is quite good for me. <laughs> I'm not really a people person. Uh, you are. Right. Yeah, that's what Andy says. That's, that's I think, on a, on a serious note, I mean, obviously, sport is temporarily on pause and everything else. And whilst we're looking on, I think the one not good thing, but the one sort of thing we can take from all of this is that. It affects everybody, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, millionaire. I mean, and I, I got really annoyed by people in government saying footballers should be an example. I find that it really annoys me that a little bit. When, when you look around and the good that's being done by football, especially in, in communities and, and people like Marcus Rashford, you've seen what he's done. You know, when they yeah. do things like that, 
you see the good things in people. So that's the one positive I'm taking from it, that we are all in this together. And whether you're rich or poor, north or south, black or white, you know, United fan or whatever you are, it, it affects everybody the same, doesn't it? Everybody's affected by Absolutely. it. So I think, to me, it feels like the world's a bit quieter and a bit slower and people are dealing with terrible things and those ones who are having to work and in the NHS, brilliant and everything else. But for the rest of us, I think the world's becoming a little bit kinder. Yeah, let's hope so. Hey, hopefully, hope, yeah, hopefully. I hope we don't Absolutely. go back to being, you know, when we go back and it all... Be, but, but I think that, you know, I take the dog out and more people are, are saying hello and smile from a distance, obviously. Showing mm. across the street. Hello! <laughs> but, you know, mm. no, absolutely. Yeah, it's to be hoped. It probably, it probably won't, let's be honest, but it'd be nice <laughs> yeah. if it did. Yeah, it's, I, I think we'll take it while we can. It's probably just because he's sick of talking to the people in their house. Yeah. I'm sure. I see somebody across the street. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how finally, Justin, I wonder how many people are working on um, lockdown sitcoms. There'll be, there's quite a few embryonic lockdown sitcoms being written, I think. Who's going to be the first one to get well, one away? Although no one's going to want to be rem- kind of reminded of this, are they, in, in a year's time? No, it's a trap. That's the whole thing of sitcom, isn't it? Is it yeah. Traps in scenarios they can't mm. get out of. So, so this is one, you know, this is, yeah. this is a, 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 a definite time for that. The, Pandemic laughs. Yeah. <laughs> like you say, I think we'll be sick of it by, by the time it's over. But yeah. as long as, you know, the, 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 we've got to stay safe, haven't we? And everyone's got to, you know, do what you can do. And It's just, it's really weird, isn't it? Oh, it's, 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 it's a strange tough. one. We'll get through it, though. Yeah. And look, lovely to talk to you. We will. We'll, Thanks, Justin. Again. We will catch up with you soon, Justin. All the best. Thanks very much. Stay safe. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Brighton and Hove supporting star TV preview, Mr. Mike Ward. Good afternoon, Mike. Good afternoon, guys. Now, I've deci- they say at this time, routine. So I've decided I've got my yes. daily porridge. My daily porridge. And you're probably thinking, yeah, what do you have on it? A little bit of honey, a few berries, maybe a banana. Go on. That's not what I'm talking about. I've decided. Oh. It's funny. I was just thinking, talking to Justin there. I was thinking, it's about time I go back and watch uh, some Phoenix Nights. That'll cheer me oh, up in lockdown. Yeah. And maybe go back to the start yeah. and watch the lot. But I have decided I'm going to have my daily porridge. I'm going to watch an episode of my favourite ever sitcom. Uh, once One an evening. I think I'm going to get right into that. Maybe I should start with A Quiet Night In, which was the classic... Uh, episode um, between uh, Godber and Fletcher, but I might, I might, um, I might we'll have a daily porridge. I want to go back That's and revisit great... an old show. Did you, um, did you like the, the the remake, the relatively recent remake of Porridge, or did you not warm to that? It was a tough call, wasn't it? Because yeah. so much of it, was, yeah. Kevin Bishop did a fine job, and it was Clement and Lafrenia, and they kind of yeah. they were fresh scripts, but. You know, that's one of the great, for me, it's one of the great ever comic performances. It yeah. is. So. I'll tell you what, I do actually have porridge quite a lot. And do you know what I have on my, I bet you won't guess what I actually have on my porridge when I'm um, You won't guess. Uh, beetroot. It's not far off. Um, it's it's <laughs> garlic and mushrooms. Wow. Okay, oh you take the God, savoury porridge disgusting. route. Savoury <laughs> porridge. It's very savoury. Well, I figured that if Heston could do the snail thing, I thought, well, he's obviously the snail. You know, obviously, traditionally, salt is quite common. In, you know, So I'm thinking the savoury. So I thought, well, I really like garlic and mushrooms, and I really like porridge. What, in the morning, though? First thing in the morning for breakfast? Yeah. God sometimes man. sometimes I put frozen peas in as well. <laughs> And it's a like a risotto. I'm glad. It is. Do you know what? With all that garlic, I'm glad you're self-isolated. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's just working. Well. Want to take the dog out? 
Oh, yeah. As well. yeah. That's why Neves, he always get at least six feet away from Mike. It's never streets. a problem. Six Spent his streets. whole life six feet away from yeah, people. It's amazing. Now, I won't be alone in going back to old telly because mm. um, uh, apparently the viewing figures for shows like Dad's Army are 211% up. Only Falls 87. People yeah. are enjoying Peep Show and The Wire and Sopranos and mm. Simpsons are up. So everybody's going back to lots of, lots of old telly well, at the, the Dad's moment. Well, Ar- Dad's Army, interesting enough, has always held up really well because they've mm. been showing these um, the repeats on BBC Two. I don't know if they still do it, on the Saturday, I think it's Saturday night, and they, yeah, you they know, do, yeah. for a while. And they were getting ridiculous, you know, they were getting, you know, two million viewers or something or other at some, at some point, I'm pretty sure they said, which was... You know, and that's just under routine circumstances. So it is fascinating. It does so show what appetite there is for some of the, you know, the classics still. Uh, despite you know, BBC Forever being criticised for showing repeats, it seems to work. So you know, sometimes, why not? Yeah. Yeah, you recommended as well the the Windsors, and I discovered that it's actually on Netflix. All I hadn't seen them; I've only seen about two of them. Mm. So I've gone back to them and, and I'm watching all of them, and we're really enjoying it. It's yes. a bit of a binge watch. They are funny. It's it's very spitting image with real people, but it is. And I've, the scripts I've warmed, are good. I've warmed to it, and I think over over the over the sort of series, uh, it, it's become it's it's cleverer than I first gave it credit for put it that way I think it's it's and it's not it's not cruel it's it's sort of irreverent which I think pitches it just right now um Paul O'Grady's back tonight of course on ITV uh, and just a little bit of yeah I think for a bit of a light relief uh, bit, little, yes. his little half hour when he goes down to Battersea doesn't he for the love of dogs Do you and, know uh, it took yeah. me about four series to realize that title is a play on for the love of god oh right <laughs> It took me that long. Do you know sometimes things that are glaringly obvious? I'm sure we all have them. Things that yeah. are glaringly obvious that don't dawn on us for years. You know, that's staring <laughs> us in the face. And that was one of them. Anyway, yeah, it's uh, Spaniels. I've got a Spaniel, so I'm particularly interested in anything Spaniel-based. Yeah. Um, and sniff- they make great sniffer dogs. And I always, you know, when I go to the football, I always stop and pat the sniffer dog. Like people used to, you know, pat, pat the horses and give it a sugar lump um, outside, outside football matches. I always, like, you know, f- seek out the sniffer dog Spaniel. Yeah, uh, and I I'm never quite sure whether to pet them or not. When you see okay. them, and they're yeah. like a drug dog, or they're a, they're there to sniff out whatever. And well, you think, should I be? I was doing that at Cheltenham or one of them the other day. I'm oh, thinking, wait. and the copper stand there next. So I'm thinking, should I be doing this, or am I putting him off the scent? Probably someone's wandering through with, with a big bag or something <laughs> well, appalling. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm giving that. the dog, tickling the dog's chin. Well, I'm always, I, I, I do always check, and they're always quite happy to do it. But I do think at the same time, you know, if you're part of a big ploy, a part of big mm. big plot to distract the dog while yeah. somebody walks past then uh, I think they're better than that the dogs I mean if all you had to do was tickle the dog's chin and then you're an international drug runner I can't, I can't see that working <laughs> I think the dog the dog well, the dog knows once it smells something it'll be off it won't care about you if you've got if you've got a, a springer by the way it is fantastic you can freak people out quite a lot because if you know they do tend to sort of go around with their nose to the ground sniffing stuff so mine isn't trained to be a sniffer dog or anything like but uh, my wife did pick me up from the airport once and stood outside and uh, quite a lot of people look quite nervous they we saw a lot of that there was Don't a lot of 18 year old blokes in incredibly tight peaky blinders style suits who looked incredibly nervous going through the main entrance to the Cheltenham festival yeah. while I was tickling, tickling that dog's chin certainly that seems to be I'd just go for them 
Uh, anyway, um, uh, so that's on at 8 o'clock. 8.30, should I say, on ITV yeah. tonight. Uh, and we've got the trouble with Maggie Cole, which Andy's missus, as we've proved, yes. is not having at all, is she, Andy? She's it's, not having that. No, we like it, but it's flawed. The premise is flawed. Uh, we watched episode five. I will watch episode six tonight. It, 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 there's something about it. Yawn French is So excellent. you have watched the first five then? You, you, you're, you're up to speed with it? No, I, I watched episode five, and oh, it was enough Sorry. to make me realise... <laughs> The okay. f- completely and utterly flawed premise of the whole thing that she wouldn't have <laughs> That's re- right. realized. That's yes, right. I remember now you said, uh, yeah, and it, you're, you're completely right. But it's, as I think, as we've said, um, the reason I mention it again, by the way, is there's not much on the telly tonight. I'm spending right. the whole time looking through the schedules, trying to swerve the coronavirus documentaries. I'm do- mm. It's a bit like going out going out for a walk. I sort of thought, oh, there's one coming. I'm going across the road. You know, so <laughs> swerving coronavirus documentaries. I, you know, I, I realise they serve their role, but I don't want it. So there you go. Um, no, the repair know, shop, of course, is a diversion news. tonight, isn't it? The repair shop will keep people off. Uh, you know, they give them a bit of light relief, potentially. Yeah, the Loch Ness Monster's on as well. Oh, which oh is wow. Brilliant. Blimey, he's the, on it, is he? Uh, the Loch Ness Monster, not actually, you know, um, live in the uh, in the studio, but yeah. on, on film. Footage taken in 1960 by uh, the father of one of the people who comes in to the repair shop tonight with an, an object. Um, this guy was a uh, became a sort of, uh, a, by all accounts, a, a Nessie hunter. Um, oh. And the guy comes in with a pair of binoculars that his dad had. Tiny, tiny pair of binoculars. Why he had a tiny pair of binoculars to look for the Loch Ness Monster, goodness knows. But apparently uh, they came in jolly handy. And then he, he took some footage. And it's basically that sort of grainy black and white thing with something sort of bobbing up and down in the distance, which could just be a bit of tree trunk or something yeah. or other. But he says, this is, he says, the definitive film of Nessie. Wow. Do you know, I went for a swim in Loch Ness last uh, couple of Aprils ago. Was it last April? And so people were coming out and taking pictures of you. Well, no, no I just thought you're, sw- you're kind of briefly <laughs> swimming swimming about and you're thinking, this would be just my luck, wouldn't it? I'm going to be dragged to my death. Yeah. The only time I've ever been in this lock. I'm the, I may not ever get in here again. It was free. Honestly, it was freezing cold. Yes. You can imagine Loch Ness. They still haven't come back down again. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but it was it was absolutely, absolutely freezing. I thought, just my luck. The only time it it surfaces is to drag me to my death well you know there you go. at least you'll go down in history for something was it um how long were you in for oh I, I mean really to save my life for about three minutes it was bitter and i didn't have a wetsuit on oh uh, god i realized why what a number of thinking? people was, was this a dare or? it was it was like me and my friend we were both there we said we've got to go in we've come this far we're going to go in for a we're going to go in for a quick paddle slash um, swim uh, well, i mean slash yes, in know, terms know, of stroke yeah, stroke yeah, swim is what yeah, i just just moving swiftly on yeah, 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 yeah um yeah. was were there um a lot of other people doing it was, there was, was a few there was a few oh, was, hardy yeah. souls but not many most of them just looked at us with shaking their heads andy one final payoff from you you have an M finally for us, is that right? No, no, just the fact that I did look up to see if there's anybody called Nessie Hunter, and there are three on Facebook. So there you go. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Thank right you, afternoon. Andy. Well, you know, why not? Thank you very much. Uh, Mike, we've, Mike we, will catch up, we will catch up with you tomorrow. Thanks very much That'd indeed. That'd be great. Yeah, thank you. Too. There we are. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. We'll do it all again tomorrow from one thank you ever so much uh, for listening do keep safe and we will catch up with you tomorrow you've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com.